and welcome to the latest episode of the Bankers podcast series, Banking in Transition. In this series, the Bankers editors are speaking to industry experts from across financial services to explore how banking is responding to global challenges and trends, such as the COVID-19 pandemic, sustainability, and the drive for increased technological innovation. I'm Marie Kemplay, the Bankers Investment Banking and Capital Markets Editor, and in this podcast, I'm joined by Claude Brown, a partner at global law firm Reed Smith and in its environmental, social and governance practice. Thanks for joining me today, Claude. Thank you for inviting me, Marie. Um, and in this podcast, we're going to be discussing expectations around the UK's upcoming green taxonomy and whether it is likely to diverge significantly from the EU's green taxonomy, which has now been around for a couple of years. Um, but, you know, firstly, I'm sure many of our listeners will already be familiar with or at least have heard the term green taxonomy. Um, but for anyone who isn't 100 percent you know, sure what this means, Claude, perhaps you can give us a quick description and also explain, you know, why in both an EU and a, and a UK context, this is such an important area. The green taxonomy or any green taxonomy is a classification system uh, and it's designed to determine the sustainability effects of different economic activities which uh, an enterprise may report against. So um, essentially it sets out what sustainability means in all its forms and uh, puts the, the base line down for, for reporting and disclosure and, and people to make investment decisions. So full detail on the UK's green taxonomy is still to come, but, you know, I think it, um, we're expecting to see that, you know, early 2022, but we've had a flavour of it already, you know, so what do we know so far about it and what's coming up there? Well, I, I think one of the, the noteworthy points was uh, as part of Brexit and the end of the transition period, the, the UK brought a lot of existing EU legislation into UK legislation. Um, so it has direct effect and that process was known as onshoring but there were areas and very noticeably the eu taxonomy and the ancillary regulations which we can talk about uh where they chose not to onshore it um, so i think that was already a flag that they may be thinking differently however um recently they've um set up a an approach for the the uk tax um green taxonomy and, and they've been quite clear at this point that they're going to use the scientific metrics that the EU green taxonomy uses as the basis for the UK one. So one would expect that with uh, the same scientific metrics underpinning them that we should see a degree of, of similarity. So we're balancing one, one against the other. But as we've all seen with the pandemic, following the science is not always a, a smooth path and in fairness, both the EU um, taxonomy has some challenges in, in adopting its approach um, and the UK will probably have some in its, its, its approach. Well, that's interesting. So from what you've said there, we're expecting a relatively high degree of, of similarity, at least, you know, on the face of it at the moment. But, you know, are there expectations that the, the UK is likely to diverge from the, the EU's approach in any, any particular areas? Yes, I mean, I, there are a number of economic activities which are, are challenging. So if one looks at the EU, for example, the use of coal and the transition away from coal, particularly for the, the more easterly members of the EU, is, is more significant than the UK's transition away from coal, for example. And there have been a, a number of points of friction about lignite coal mining in, in Poland and, and the EU, whereas the, the UK doesn't really have a lignite coal manufacturing 
or a mining process at the moment. But there certainly has been a lot of debate about opening up a new uh, coal mine, uh, you know, whether that's entirely in, in keeping with the, the UK's aspirations. Uh, similarly, nuclear is, is another area which is um, challenging in, in both the EU and the UK taxonomies. Um, the, the EU, if you look at France, for example, it has a very high um, element of, of nuclear generated power, whereas Germany has chosen not to go down that route after Fukushima uh, and the incident there. So whereas the UK is, is committed to um, to the use of nuclear and sees nuclear as part of its its um, sort of approach to a, a green sustainable economy and gas will be another one uh, again you know one sees with Nord Stream 1 and 2 that there is a, a high dependence on gas and that's hardly surprising if, if for example Germany's turned away from nuclear that it has as gas and the transition away from gas is 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 different um, in the EU uh, than it will be in, in the UK. So certainly there are those economic activities where even if you're following the science, they, they have different um, impacts and significance on the, um, on, on the two um, taxonomies. And if the UK does, you know, elect to diverge significantly from the EU uh, taxonomy, um, would this be good or bad news? And I guess it's one of those questions that, you know, it probably depends on who you ask, right? Because certain parties, there's often talk around the need for standardisation in relation to ESG issues, but perhaps for others, you know, perhaps certain businesses, it might be that they would welcome greater flexibility in certain things, you know? If one looks at voluntary standards and principles, there is a cry for harmonization it's very difficult for multinational companies uh, to to pick a standard and and keep that voluntary standard and then add other standards on so there's certainly a a trend towards harmonization in the voluntary sector the difficulty with the taxonomies the green taxonomies is that they are at risk of, of diversifying in subtle and, and not so subtle ways you know um I, I sort of mentioned that it's not just the UK and the EU that have green taxonomies. Actually, China's got one in place. Canada, Russia, Malaysia, Singapore are all working on them. But again, you can see the little nuances there. For example, Russia considers coal to gas transition as a sustainable activity, whereas you know I don't think you'll see that in the in the UK taxonomy. And, and China clearly has a, a um, a greater dependence on, on coal and therefore has a clean coal concept as a sustainability criteria. So the problem for any multinational enterprise that's trying to disclose or um, adhere to a, a taxonomy is, is just though the multiplication of them and, and the differences with them. Some are subtle, some are not so subtle. So the you know I think they will prefer harmonization and a common standard it's easier to do it means less fragmented markets both for consumer goods and and also for capital raising um, one might argue that there will be a race to the top that you have to follow the highest standard and that drags everybody up to to that level or they um, eventually drive that way counter argument is um, is of course that um, you, you could always arbitrage the two. My personal view is harmonization is, is a greater driver in this um, sector than, um, than arbitrage. So I, I do see a, a, a degree of concern that 
uh, more taxonomies will produce greater variations. This final question probably warrants a whole uh, podcast discussion in its own right. But, um, you know, if we see divergence now, does that potentially indicate that there is likely to be more divergence to come, you know, between the EU and the UK in financial services more broadly? You know, is that do you think this is going to if there was significant divergence, that would symbolically indicate something more, you know, more significant to come, do you think? Yes, I'm not sure there's a, a desire for divergence for divergence sake, but um, I mean, if you take one limb of the green agenda, if you look at the UK's approach to agriculture, for example, uh, you know, the the UK's policy will be to remove the common agricultural policies, um, basic payment scheme and direct payments for land and produce it with a more environmentally uh, focused uh, set of incentives. You know, that is a huge departure straight away. But in in the banking sector, one can begin to see that um, getting hold. Um, For example, the the UK suggesting that the implementations to to Basel III, what you might call Basel IV, depending on whether you're a regulator or regulated, um, the UK is now suggesting that those changes be pushed back um, later than the, the current timetable. Now, you could certainly see the capital requirements regulation, the CRR, being implemented ahead of time and uh, or whatever the UK's preferred timetable will be. You can also see it in in disclosure regulations, you know, for for banks, for example, the uh, sustainable finance disclosure regulations are very prescriptive, um, whereas actually the UK is aligning its current accounting um, uh, and disclosure regulations to be more in line with the um, task force for climate related disclosure. Um, So when I say it's, it's not, I mean, it is law and it will be a mandatory requirement but I think the UK's inclination is to run to a more principle based approach than a prescriptive approach and I think that will be reflected in in financial regulation so yes I think the these are hallmarks that over time financial regulation will begin to differ at the moment it's just a case of terminology and definitions and the statutory references but I think I think we will see a, a parting over time particularly if the UK carries on with its declared policy of trading with the world at large um, you know that that will again uh, encourage a divergence because you will have to adapt to to align with whoever your new trading partners are well, certainly a very interesting area. Thanks so much for sharing your, your views and experiences with us today, Claude. I'm sure this is an area that a lot of people are going to continue watching closely, but that's all for this podcast. But you can keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify and Acast and follow our discussions at thebanker.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.